Hello, hello. Welcome to Irrepressible. I am Erica Ashley, your host. I have a really awesome episode for you guys this week. I had Aaron Albert on the podcast. And if any of you were a fan of iCarly, you might recognize him from iCarly. He's also the co-founder of Mind. Mind is a social media app and platform based around health and wellness. It's an awesome community. He co-founded it with Mark Groves, who you might know from the Instagram profile, Create the Love. They co-founded Mind together. And Aaron and I talked all things vulnerability. He got really vulnerable and open and honest, and I really appreciated that. We talked about, you know, him growing up as a child actor and how that affected him being vulnerable later in life, vulnerability in his relationships, romantic friendships with family. He dished all the family tea, relationship tea, and just all the tea. There was so much tea, but it was just, it was a fun episode. It was insightful. It was funny. It was relatable. I just found it very refreshing to hear someone be so candid about their experience in being in tune with their feelings and emotions and how they have and haven't shown up in life using them. And I think that's something that we can all relate to at one point or another in one situation or another. And so I really appreciated his honesty with me and with you. Honestly, he is sharing this with all of you. And so I'm really excited to jump into this episode. Like I said, I think there's something for every single one of you to take away from this conversation. So without further ado, here's Aaron. I am born and raised in LA. Uh, I was a, uh, you can't see me doing this, but air quotes, child actor. Um, I was just an actor as a child uh, <laughs> and uh, and then went on to uh, go to college for musical theater in New York uh, at Pace University, shout out Pace, um, and then very quickly realized I did not want to be an actor anymore and so went on to pursue health and wellness and uh, literally started as a, a fitness instructor and was so obsessed with the, at the time, the, the sort of boutique fitness boom, and ended up starting this consulting company with one of my best friends who was a founding instructor at SoulCycle, and we traveled all around the country and then eventually the world, um, basically helping companies from initial conception to, to hiring and training and methodology, and then... Um, and then I started working with like consumer tech companies and, 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 and then I started mind and that's like, that's a whole story in and of itself. So I don't know if you want to, you want to, you know, go separate there or I can dive right in, but how'd I do? Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so much more, but yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, the gist of it was perfect. <laughs> I want to, with that, because this, that was actually perfect because we're going to talk about vulnerability today. And there are so many different parts of vulnerability and different ways that they show up in your life, right? Like acting is one, especially as a kid, like actually, can you start there and talk about the vulnerability that comes along with being an actor, especially at a young age? Yeah. I mean, I, the, the thing is, is I think back on, uh, being a, 
a, a, a child actor, you know, it's like, I, I don't know if I knew what it was doing to me at the time, you know, I, in fact, I, I'm positive. I didn't know what it was doing to me at the time, but you know, acting is this funny thing, right? Because especially as a kid, I think you go into it one way. And then as an adult, you're asked to do it this totally separate way, mm-hmm. which is as a kid, you are meant to play this part, you know, and, and, um, and you're not this enough or you're not that enough or, or, um, you know, especially as you're doing stuff in theater growing up, there's a lot of trying to embody somebody else. Um, and what I think it does is it starts to build this, uh, I think it like, it starts to build this, this disconnect because what starts to happen is as a kid, you start to be rewarded for not being yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Like you start being rewarded for, um, playing this role or doing this thing. And then in the moments where for me personally, I was myself, I was totally out of control as a kid. Um, I had not found acting yet. So I had like no way to, nowhere to harness all of the pent up energy I had. And I was constantly in trouble. Like I was just constantly getting into trouble as a kid. So on one hand, you have me being me and my parents put me on Adderall and my teachers were constantly reprimanding me and I was constantly ending up in the principal's office. So here's this narrative. It's like, stop being you take drugs to be someone else Mm -hmm. and then on the other side of the spectrum i'm like acting as not me and everyone's clapping and cheering and so what does that do to a kid like it's pretty fucked up if you think about it i sorry i don't know are we can we (laughs) go for it (laughs) okay um you know i don't know if this is a pg audience (laughs) uh rated r um so so sorry that was a really long-winded answer um what was the question (laughs) like you're the worst uh podcast guest ever (laughs) no it's amazing no we're talking about like you're being rewarded for not being yourself over here and then you're like punished over here and like what is that doing to you yeah i mean i think it just it it creates this confusion in 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 a person which is you know i'm not going to show the real me and people will like me Mm -hmm. um if i don't if i don't because if I do show the real me, I get in trouble or I get reprimanded or people tell me I need to be on drugs or, you know, uh, such a trigger for me even today is uh, when people tell me uh, I'm being too much. And I've heard, I've heard this from other people too. Like I, I, I'm not the only one who's got this trigger, but that is such a, it's such a, it's just like, it's like, you know, cause like people used to tell me that. Um, so yeah, so I, I mean, I think like the 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 vulnerability question is um, is an interesting one. I think it 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 being a child actor or being an actor as a kid and being the way I was, it creates a lot of walls that you put up. And what I have noticed this is such, this was such a mind blowing revelation for me. But I had a therapist. Um, I had a therapist like call me on this once because I was like, Oh, like I'm super vulnerable and I'm like so willing to share everything. And 
I'm going to butcher exactly what she said, but she was like, yeah, but that it's fake vulnerability. It's mm-hmm. like you're divulging enough to make it seem like you're, vul- like you're being vulnerable. But when it comes to the things that like actually bother you or you're actually insecure about, like you're, you're not really willing to go there. Um, and I was like, okay. like a controlled <laughs> vulnerability. Totally. Yeah. The other day you had told a story about how this kind of affected you in relationships too. And you just mentioned that now. And if you're comfortable talking about that again, I would love for you to share because I think it's relatable. It goes back to the idea of I'm being punished over here for like being this version of myself and rewarded over here. And now I don't know what anybody actually wants from me. Do people want the real me who I actually am? I don't know. I'm confused. And I think you did a really good job of explaining that the other day and how that affected you and in, in, in relationships. You know, I think I've always been a, uh, I've always been a total hopeless romantic, right? And, and that's actually changed for me, um, which is really interesting. Uh, but, but for a long time, I was this like completely over the top um, gestures and, and, mm-hmm. and, like would do anything and um and was constantly putting my own sort of needs and wants and desires um before before other people's um and i think one of the like most pivotal if not the most pivotal relationship of my life was one that was honestly not even that long it was like it was a little less than a year even um but it's funny it's funny how those uh how those things happen but I dated this, uh, I dated this woman and, um, I had met her. Um, and, and this is really actually, I think very relevant. I had seen a friend post about her online mm-hmm. and I literally, I literally saw her and thought, holy shit, this is the prettiest girl I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. I knew nothing about her. I didn't know if she was cool. I didn't know. I was like, this is the prettiest girl I've ever seen. And I had like just gone through a breakup with like a long-term partner of mine. And I texted my buddy and I was like, can I was teaching spin at the time. And I was like, can you please get this person to my spin class? <laughs> please get her there. Um, and uh, so he did. And by the way, I don't even know if she knows this, which is funny. <laughs> um, it's okay. She'll never hear this, so it's fine. Um, but uh, <laughs> she, and, and not because this isn't going to be a huge podcast, but literally just because <laughs> anything I'm involved with, there's no chance she's listening to. Um, so um, yeah, he like, he, he, he had brought her. And the other thing that was so amazing, and I'm, I'm getting too deep in here, so feel free to edit any and all of this out. But uh, she had this, I, I went to school for musical theater. And I was in fitness and she had this Broadway meets fitness blog. And I was like, oh my gosh, this person, I created this whole story. This person, which we, which we do, we all do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, this person was dropped from whatever you believe in to me. And, it, you know, anyway, she comes to class, complete ships in the night. I thought she was like totally cold and standoffish. And you know, she didn't even give me the time of day. And like a few months later, she kind of had been freeloading off of me for spin classes. Um, she'd, she'd hit me up and be like, hey, can I just drop by? And I was like, yes, you definitely can. Um, and, and whatever, one, one thing leads to another. 
and we start this this relationship but because of how because of the pedestal I had put her on and also I was in a place in my life where I just wasn't feeling fulfilled I I I was I was teaching spin I was doing this consulting work but I was like this, it, it, it just like didn't feel like enough. Mm-hmm. And so I remember going into this relationship lying, essentially, like mm-hmm. lying about who I was, how successful I was, um, you know, the, a lack of insecurity that I had, right? And all these things and put her on this pedestal as like, here's this beautiful woman who like, I'm so lucky to be with who's an entrepreneur and all of these things. And here I am just low and not that cool. And so I need to be, I need to be the actor. I need to be somebody I'm, I'm, I'm not. And ultimately what that does is creates this just initial and, and, and very deep imbalance where I'm constantly grabbing and chasing because I'm not, I'm not feeling comfortable in the relationship, but really I'm not feeling comfortable with myself. Mm -hmm. And on the other end of the spectrum, she's retracting and she's, you know, pulling away. And so it it starts, we start triggering both of these attachment styles in each other, right? Mm -hmm. Me being super anxious and her being super avoidant. And like, if I look back, it really all comes from this, this need for this external validation, because that's what I grew up being told was good or was right. Mm -hmm. Um, And it didn't come from me being like, I feel really good about myself. And of course I feel lucky to be with this person, but I also feel really deserving to be with this person and, and they should feel lucky and deserving to be with me. Mm -hmm. So how did you, I mean, obviously you're no longer with her, but like after After that, how, like, what was the process like for you? Because I can tell that it triggered, I guess, maybe something in you of like, I need to figure out how to like actually be vulnerable, like what your therapist said. What did that look like for you? And like, how do you approach vulnerability now? Yeah, yeah, it's a good question. So, yeah, this was definitely a turning point for me. One, because no one had ever broken my heart before. So, Mm -hmm. I think, you know, heartbreak is, is, um, this really beautiful invitation, right? And I think the, the metaphor I really like to, to use is this idea that um, we start full, right? We start complete to an extent as like a human because we don't know what we're missing. We don't know what we don't have. So we, we sort of are like, okay, I'm, I'm complete and I'm full and I've been untainted and unhurt. And then shit starts happening, right? And, and life starts happening, and, um, right? And so heartbreak is this very visceral hole that 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 you know people people talk about this idea that they have a hole in their heart right Mm -hmm. and and to me what why it's such a beautiful invitation is because if there's no absence of anything then it's very hard to build on top of but if i'm planting a tree right i've got to dig and i've got to enrich the soil and i there's got to be room for the, the the like the vines and the and the um the roots to grow and so heartbreak to me is this, this invitation to plant something new. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't plant new good shit. Like a lot of people will plant bad stuff in the place of heartbreak. Um, you know, alcoholism and addiction and drinking and all, and all these things. And, and again, like those are disorders and, 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 and deeper issues. So I'm not, you know, I'm not attributing 
heartbreak to that, but I've seen a lot of friends go down a really bad path. Mm-hmm. And to me, what being faced with this person saying, I see all of you and I don't want it because that's, that's what it felt like, right? That's what heartbreak feels like. Is like you show somebody everything, quote unquote, and they say, I don't want it. But the truth was I didn't show her everything. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and so it, it, it lit this fire under me because what I did is I started to blame. And I felt totally powerless doing that. And as soon as I started to realize that if I took responsibility, if I started to go, wait a minute, where did I fit into this? What can I own? What can I be accountable for? It was so empowering because I was like, oh shit, I can do something about this. I can read, I can study, I can learn, I can grow, I can go to the gym, I can go to therapy, I can like do all these things. And I think that's, I think that's why people love, you know, self-help or personal growth, right? Because it, it, it puts them in this seat of um, empowerment, mm-hmm. uh, like, oh, I'm getting better. Um, and so I think, you know, what I, what I, the, the phrase I've coined and, uh, you know, I, I'm sure this existed before and I, I'm positive it exists after, but is this idea of radical responsibility. Everything that happens to me, for me, from me, by me is my responsibility. It's not my fault, but ultimately it's my responsibility. The radical responsibility I think is amazing because the thing that I've noticed when it comes to vulnerability, when anytime I felt like I haven't been being open, vulnerable, honest, or like having my controlled vulnerability is that it comes usually from a place of protecting yourself and not wanting to open yourself to those things like maybe heartbreak or admitting to things that are maybe like you're embarrassed about or whatever, but it does come back to, I can never find true connection, even talking to you right now, unless I like actually am open and here and like being honest about things. Cause nobody can relate to like the fake honesty. Totally. And I, I appreciate you saying that. And I think, um, it's funny because I think we talk a lot about vulnerability and, and yet I think at least for me, I find myself in so many situations where I'm like, Ooh, I don't want to be vulnerable in this situation. You know, we're around people who trigger some sort of insecurity in us and we're like, okay, well, you gotta, I gotta like talk a certain talk or, or look a certain way. And you know, they're, there, there's, there's a, there's a balance, right? Because you, you don't want to go into like a, 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 a job interview and all of a sudden you're like, yeah, you know, like, I really don't know if I'm good at that, but <laughs> I want to try. Right. So there's like, there's like a time and place for vulnerability, of course, but mm-hmm. I think at the root of all human connection, um, you know, and I think about even like um, this, idea of like screenwriting or, or looking at looking at film or tv or movies or any or, or play just any sort of narrative that we all fall in love with um you know i think we love this concept of character versus characterization right this idea that like we've all got these characterizations and um and ultimately what what makes us fall in love with like a character or or a person really is when when we actually do see their character versus like their, their characterization, when sh- someone shows us 
the, the real part of them. Um, I think it's just really exciting. Mm-hmm. I think too, and this maybe comes from, I, I consider myself to be very much an empath and like, I feel like I can just feel other people. And I can tell from you that like in this conversation, you're not doing controlled vulnerability. Like you're actually being like, I went through these experiences and I learned from them and that's hard to admit sometimes. But I think with you, there's another component. And you and I were talking about this the other day about this idea, one, of vulnerability, but two, being vulnerable as a man, especially Mm. sitting here talking to me as a woman. There's a different level. Like, I think women are often considered emotional and whatever. And so it's like, oh, of course, they're going to be like, because they're in their feelings, right? But like, to this disconnect, especially sometimes in relationships or, you know, talking to someone of the opposite sex it just is there underlying and i think you saying i'm just gonna be vulnerable to be vulnerable is helping gender is really interesting right Mm -hmm. and 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 we all sort of like have different parts of us that operate more in the feminine or the or, or or the masculine and um you know i think we're seeing obviously a lot more fluidity when it comes to gender and 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 understanding that it's not so um black and white but i think what i feel like we are not doing a great job at 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 recognizing is that like we are only good we are only as good as the way we are socialized you know there there's sort of this expectation that like we should have known better or we should know better and and i think the 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 sentiment is correct, right? Like, like we should. Um, unfortunately, we're just not socialized to. And so, you know, every year we get a little more progressive and a little smarter and a little, we wake up a little more to things. And I think with, with men, um, that too is happening, right? Is, is that men have been socialized throughout history to be the provider and, you know, and, and, and be the hunter and, um, you know, men don't cry. And like, there's, there's all these sort of ways in which men are socialized to feel this burden of, um, if I let down my guard, if I am really honest and vulnerable, I'm going to appear weak and it's not sexy. And, um, you know, and it's like, once I do that, there's, it's like, when you take the toothpaste out of the tube, it's like, I can't put it back in. It's like, once they see me, I'm I, I, like, I can't be the macho man again. Right. And it's funny because I've, I've been obsessed with reality TV during the pandemic. And I, and I've talked to some other people about this. I don't know. Do you watch any reality TV? Oh, Kardashians all day long. Oh no. Okay. See, that's, <laughs> that's too much for me. But, but, but no judgment, no judgment. But, um, but I, I never watched reality TV except for The Bachelor, which I've been obsessed with since I was in college. Um, I have a, I host a huge Bachelor Monday party. We, we won't get into it, but it's, oh uh, it's, it's a thing. Um, <laughs> I haven't been able to watch any scripted TV. Okay. Because like, it's just too, it is like, there's, I don't know if it's just because, you know, I'm, I'm deep in the weeds of a company or like the pandemic, but it's too much. It's just too intense for me to process right now. Yeah. Do you feel that way? Sometimes I'm like, I need 
something that's mindless and I don't have to pay attention to a storyline. If I miss five minutes, it's fine. It's just a way to decompress, I guess. It's so funny. You know what they're calling this now? Ambient TV. That's, that's, that's like the new term is like ambient TV. It's like TV. You can just like leave on. Interesting. I mean, it is. So anyways, my, 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 I'm always floored because I'm super into all the dating shows and like married at first sight and uh, you know, 90 day fiance and like all these like ridiculous shows, but I'm always so floored at like the way these women will sort of talk about this idea that like he's too sensitive or, you know, I need a man who's going to put me in my place. And because it's not just men, it's also women who have been socialized to be like, this is what an attractive, strong, full of testosterone man is supposed to be like. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, it, it's, it, it's both, it, it operates on both ends of the spectrum. Like, but we've just all been socialized. This is such a long-winded answer to this, but I think it's important, which is that like we, it really is going to have to involve changing the narrative around what we find attractive. And I think it's happening, right? Like I think like more and more people are recognizing that there is such a depth that you, you cannot get to without vulnerability in mm-hmm. two people. So yeah, I mean, for me, it's like, it's, it's, I think it's cool. Like for me, I'm like, fuck yeah. Like I'm going to be vulnerable mm-hmm. because I think it's dope. And if I'm going to expect that of other people, um, and if I'm going to create an environment in my social circles and with my friends and, you know, with significant others, like if I'm going to create that kind of environment, then like, I better be practicing what I preach. I, my mom, when I was growing up, would always say like balance and everything in moderation. And I try to really embrace that in all areas of my life as best as I can. But there is this idea that like the spectrum or I guess the scale is off balance where like men are up here and can be powerful and Mm. in leadership positions and women should be nurturing and loving and feminine. And then when it flops, like if a woman is trying to be assertive in the workplace, it's like, oh, she's a bitch, you know? And so it does, it is both sides, like the responsibility. But I think that and what you were saying comes back to this idea that we need to embody both. I think men and women need to embody, I have like femininity to me and I have masculinity to me. And to have balance is when everybody is going to come together and be like, okay, now I can be vulnerable because we're all on the same like plate. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. And it's like, it's so funny because I think, you know, I think like we, I don't want to get too woo woo either here, but you know, we, we hold a lot of our, um, we hold a lot of our wounding, like male or female, in like the bottom half of our, of our body and like specifically in like our pelvic region. Like a lot of our wound is like very much in like the pelvic region of our body, which also happens to be the female part of, of, of the body. Mm-hmm. And, um, and this is in like energy systems and chakras and, mm-hmm. and all that. But I think it's really interesting because it, there's like this, this energy that's cut off for people where they're like, I don't want to look and see what's going on 
with me that's like not allowing me to like have this flow top to bottom of like I'm able to embody both things. I'm able to embody this 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 beautiful masculine side of me and I'm able to embody this beautiful feminine side to me, right? And I think especially for um men uh as you were saying like I think it's it's we see a woman who's really strong and really independent and is like a boss and has her shit together and automatically we assume like cold or mean or you know they're a bitch or like whatever these like really kind of awful things that that are just associated with that are and like to me because i'm tapped into my vulnerability because and this is not me being like pat on the back good for you aaron but like because i'm able to go there um to me, that's like the sexiest thing in the world, right? It's like seeing a woman in her power or just a person in their power. Like forget woman, man, whatever. I'm, um, like that is hot because it's, it's someone going, hey, I'm owning both sides. I'm not afraid to be a woman and be open and vulnerable and demanding of sort of emotion or in more of my feminine, I should say. But I'm also not afraid to stand in my power and ask for what I want, demand what I need. Um, you know, so I think, I, I think it's, it's like this very two-sided thing. There's two players who are kind of keep hitting the ball back to each other. And eventually one person's going to be like, okay, wait, we gotta, we gotta redo the game. The, te- the tennis, the way we're doing tennis is not working. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know the answer, but it's good. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> well, I think it, I think it does start with, with, with men giving big props to men for being vulnerable. I think like men encouraging vulnerability amongst other men, because that's where a lot of that toxic shit happens. Like locker room talk, mm-hmm. like a lot of it happens in space where in spaces where it's, you know, it's all men. Right. And it, it, it gets like, it just becomes like super toxic. And um, I've been really lucky too, because I grew up in the theater and, and like the irony of this whole thing is like, because I grew up doing theater and because I grew up with, many different, you know, sexual preferences around me and, 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 and male, the line between male and female and friends that were girls versus friends that were guys was so blurred. And that I really didn't grow up in this environment where it was like sports and, you know, beers and like, it just, that it's been much easier for me, I think as a man to like, it's easier said than done. Like, it's really easy for me to be here and, and, and say this because that's a really big part of the environment I grew up in. It was so inviting to be you and to be yourself. Um, and that was part of, I think, the reason that, like, I, I, I didn't get along with a lot of the people who, you know, were sports guys. And, like, I feel like I found my community in first theater and now moving into health and wellness because I think these are people who are deeply curious about who they are. All right, let's talk about that. Let's talk about mind. Yeah. So, I mean, mind to give people like a just quick overview. Um, basically, we wanted to make emotional well-being really accessible for people, right? I, um, after I went through this breakup, people are going to be like, this guy's really fucking hung up on this breakup. <laughs> um, They're like, are you sure he's over her? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he's over it. Um, so after I went through this breakup, which I am over and healed from, um, 
I, I was like really lost and, and I was, I was doing all these things and I was, you know, I was, I was therapist dating, which is super common, right? There's this really big obstacle for, um, for people to just find like a therapist they like, forget finding it. Like that's hard enough. Like I, there, there are not enough therapists in the world, even close to cover the amount of people that, that actually need therapy. And really we all need therapy, but so, okay. So there's that. You know, I was, I was also, therapy wasn't enough um, because therapy was really good at helping me, um, you know, get from like really down to like baseline, but, but I needed something that was going to like help me go from the days where I was more baseline to like feeling really good. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and, and therapy didn't do that as much for me. Uh, and so I started, you know, consuming all the self-help stuff. And I was listening to like Brene Brown podcasts and Tony Robbins and this and that and taking courses and blah, blah, blah. And finally, a friend of mine sent me this, uh, this Instagram video by this guy named Mark Groves. He's got this Instagram called Create the Love. And, uh, and I, I just remember being like, holy shit, the way this guy is able to very succinctly in a really and in a really engaging way disseminate this information to me and give me things that were actionable and make me feel like okay i'm definitely not alone because the comment section up in here is popping and that i saw some of me in this person um was really exciting and so i end up reaching out to mark i slide right into his dms like i'm on a slip and slide and uh and I'm like, dude, I, I got a coach with you. Like I, and, and he's like, yeah, I'm not seeing clients. And I'm like, no, 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 you're, you're, no, you're, you are seeing, you're seeing me. Like I, we got it. Unnegotiable. I was like, you don't, you don't know this yet, but like, like I'm fun. Like we're going to have fun. Um, <laughs> he's like, great. Just what I need. <laughs> yeah. He's like, great. Another friend. Perfect. Um, so we end up coaching and it was like, again, similar to therapy, you know, prohibitively expensive. And so I end up doing this course of his, uh, and the course totally changes my life because it, it not only is just more intimate access to Mark, but it's also this community of people that are like, Hey, you're not fucked up and you're, you're, you're just normal. Like you're a normal dude going through normal stuff. Um, and I was like, wow, like, why didn't I know this existed? Why did it take me being at such a dark place to like through all the weeds find this? And I just thought, you know, I'm really lucky that I've never had any clinical, you know, mental illness diagnoses, right? Like I had ADHD, but I wasn't like clinically depressed or, you know, had clinical anxiety. And again, nothing wrong with that, but I just didn't feel like there was a space for someone who, was kind of experiencing just the, the regular challenges and obstacles of life. And, um, and so I came back to Mark and said, look, I think there's an opportunity to create something that feels as easy and sort of accessible as like a Peloton for uh, emotional well-being. And so that's what we did. We, we, we brought together this amazing group of experts in the emotional health space that all kind of range in backgrounds, educations, genders, sexual preferences, you know, beliefs, uh, uh, teaching styles, right? Like we wanted to create this really um, representative group of people so that 
when someone came to the platform, they were like, oh, I see myself in, in one of these people. Um, I can connect with them. I, 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 feel, I feel like I trust this. Um, and so, you know, right now, uh, our, our app's been live since September and you're able to come on. It's free still. Uh, won't be free for that much longer. So, you know, you're able to basically watch these, these video sessions with these live experts and ask questions and, and, and get feedback. And really, it's a, it's a place where we have streamlined and aggregated all this amazing content about how to live a happier, better, more high-functioning life. Um, and so, yeah, so that's mine. Yeah, it's incredible for anyone who hasn't heard about it or checked it out. The library is just, it's honestly something I wish would have existed many, many years ago. And I know social media is like continuing to grow and it wasn't that back then. But I think it's so important to have information like this be accessible for people because when things like anxiety or relationships or whatever, and like, it's just not condensed in a place where people can be like, I need something about spirituality today. Where can I go? And it's in there. But then there's also stuff about mental health, about self-care. It's just like this wholesome space of information that everyone needs at one point or another. You're going to need some kind of information like that. Yeah, I love that. I thank you for thank you for saying that. Um Yeah, I think we we, you know, we looked at, at like the landscape of what was happening and we were hearing from so many people, be it on the creator side or the, the, you know, the, the, the consumer side that like social media was just feeling so toxic. And, you know, it, there's so much research now that has shown that coming to social media makes you feel worse. Mm-hmm. And, um, we really wanted, and Mark says this all the time, by the way, the, the, um, you know, Mark always likes to say, like, finally, an app where you can leave feeling better about yourself than, you know, than worse. And, and I think what we're really trying to do is make sure that the nature of the, the time and the place in the world we live in is like, there are these different tools that we've gotten very comfortable using, we've gotten very comfortable sort of scrolling, um, be it through Instagram or Twitter. Um, we're really comfortable consuming this really short form content, we're really comfortable consuming podcasts that are like, a little bit longer. We're now, you know, moving into this space where, you know, this, this kind of bilateral audio um, with, with Clubhouse is now really becoming a thing. And, and we're realizing that people really are excited about connecting with each other. And so where we're moving and, and what Mind is going to continue to be is taking the best parts of each of these platforms that we think actually when wielded, when, 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 when used um, for, for betterment um, and, and not based on some algorithm that's trying to, you know, hit you with dopamine and keep you there, um, that we can actually create this like amazing space of curiosity and learning and knowledge and, and improvement and a place where like, you can start to figure out like, okay, I'm feeling this today. Um, I, I know that if I, if I know, I know I can go to Instagram and, and feel worse, or I can like go to mind where there is still a community there, but it's like a community that's going to make me feel better and a community that's going to teach me something and a community of people who like care um, and, and aren't trying to like flex. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think that's, that's been a really big part of, of, of what we're trying to do. Social media. Millennials and, and, and are, 
our parents' generation a little bit, um, are really, really good at understanding um, why we are the way we are, what's affected us, what is our you know, inherited trauma, what are the things that have impacted the way we view the world or think. What we're not good at is integration. And taking those things and then going, okay, so I'm, I, see, I see where the pathways connect and I'm still being an asshole. So what is not working, right? And I think like we don't integrate well. We live in a world where we are constantly seeking this social affirmation, this social validation, right? That's, that's what social media is all about is going, you know, how many likes can I get? How many comments can I get? How much can people tell me? Yes, good, 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 good. And so even think about like the generations now after us, like it all is so dependent on like, are, are we being socially validated? And what happens is we start to get into this space of if nobody else can see it, why am I going to do it? The thing about integrating is nobody else can see it. Like, that's the thing. We can talk about it on this podcast. And I think a lot of people do. <laughs> I feel like I'm so negative. I swear I'm really positive. I just, I, I just see it. I see so much through people. People spend a lot of time on self-help books and doing all the thing. And what they're ultimately doing is bypassing, right? This idea of spiritual materialism or spiritual bypassing. If I, if I can just say I've read the book, then I don't have to actually do the work. If I can just say I go to yoga and I meditate and I juice and I do all these things, like I'll, I'll, I will have my shit together. We all know the like spiritual person who is out of their mind. And you're like, this person cannot flip one more tarot card. They <laughs> need therapy because there is, this, there, there is this thing about if I can just show people, maybe they'll believe it. Mm-hmm. And the challenge with that is, the work is done where nobody can fucking see it. The work is done in here where no eyes are on it. And you can't tell anybody about it because the moment you tell anybody about it, it doesn't become about you. It becomes about people validating you. Mm-hmm. And that is why I think millennials have such a hard time integrating because we're so used to other people validating us mm-hmm. that when it's something that nobody can see or even knows about, and it's this thing that takes months and years, and it's this very compounding change. I think it's very hard for us to see the inherent immediate value in it. Mm-hmm. I'm, st- I'm t- t- stepping off my st- soapbox now. I love it. I get it. I think that's also why so many people end up in the role of a people pleaser, which I have, I will be honest, I have been there. I have been there, but it's because when you're making a commitment to yourself, you're the only one keeping yourself accountable. Nobody else knows, then like nobody else knows. Um, But I do think, and I have learned that when, at least in my case, when I try to get the validation from someone else, it's not there. It's Mm -hmm. not showing up. But the second I take a moment to do the work, to look inward, to validate myself, I see it mirrored back to me. That's when I start seeing it from other people. And I think yeah. it goes back to, I'm someone who, I, I like the spirituality, but I also want the science. Like I need both and like, let's yeah. mix it together. And so I'm going to do the work here, but I'm also going to do like the physical work. And so I feel like that energy is mirrored back, but it's also because I know I'm scientifically doing things. Yeah. I'm rewiring my brain. I'm like actually doing it. And I think it's, 
I don't know. There's something to that, I think. No, you and I are very similar in that way. I, I, I call it like spiritual practicality, right? Where yes. it's like, I, I, I really want to make sure that like what I'm doing, if it's spiritual, there's some sort of practicality behind it. And I think, um, I'm sure you are a Joe Dispenza fan, but, um, mm-hmm. or at least know him, but you know, yeah, yeah. he does such a great job of that, right? He's like, look, meditation is actually this like amazing, unbelievable thing. But I think, um, it, we either, we either oversimplify it or we like way over mystify it. And mm-hmm. I think what, what, what Joe does, which is, is awesome, is that he, he makes it complicated, but he makes it complicated so that you realize that like, y- yes, it, it, it is actually this really simple practice mm-hmm. that when done has this very mystical um, ability uh, to it that actually is like very real and true and, and, and science backed. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm fully with you on that. I think the most like visceral thing I can think of off the top of my head is like when you're in a, a, a disagreement with a partner um, or if you're in a fight with a partner, what, what I used to do is I used to, and this is very, very, the masculine part is my partner would be upset and immediately I would go into defense mode because I wouldn't want to be responsible for hurting them. Um, because if that were true, then, you know, the story I'm telling myself is that makes me a bad person and like, whatever. And I would get very kind of cut off from my emotions. And I would go into this part of my brain that was very practical. And like, I'm not, I'm not going to go there into emotion land with you because that's, that is, um, uh, hysterical and, uh, you know, it, it, this doesn't demand that kind of reaction, right? That's what I used to do. That's very my dad. My dad gets very pedantic and, and like, you know, kind of condescending and, and it doesn't feel good. And what I have done since is, you know, if I'm in a romantic relationship and my partner is upset about something and I... And, instinctually feel that like tightness in, in, in my chest and wanting to, you know, wanting to sort of go to that old place. What I will do is I will say to myself, this is not even about you being a good partner. It is about you being a better version of you. And to me, the like selfishness in that of me being like, Ooh, this is a growth moment. And that is like the trick I use. And so instead, I'll lean in and I'll reach out and I'll touch my partner's hand and I'll, and I'll be there and I'll be present because I'll know that like, even if it ultimately is for them, really at the end of the day, it's for me. And we are inherently just people who care about ourselves. And when faced with those very challenging moments, I find that to be a very helpful tool is to, is to think about how this is going to affect you, not necessarily the person that you're, you're, you're dealing with. All right. Amazing. Where can everybody find you? How can they join mind? Tell me all the things. Yes. Um, I mean, you can follow me on the gram AS Albert, where I'll post, um, totally non-vulnerable stuff. There's a couple vulnerable things on there. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I try to keep it, I try to keep it a mix between like light and fun and you know, whatever. Um, so that's one. You could follow Mind at Do You Mind. Mind is spelled like when you're mining for something. M I N E D. Uh, you can download it on the App Store. We're on Android and uh, 
what's the other one? iPhone. <laughs> yep. If you can't find it in the app store, you can go to download mind M I N E D.com. And that'll take you right to the app store on whichever device you're on. Uh, follow my co-founder, Mark. This is a crazy plug. I've never plugged this much shit before. Follow <laughs> my co-founder, Mark at create the love. Uh, he is, uh, he's amazing. He's got great tips and tricks. And, uh, and of course, um, you know, if you're not following Erica, what, why are you even, what are you doing? Why are you listening to this podcast? Um, follow her now. <laughs> this has been awesome. I, I, I appreciate you uh, having me on and I'm, I'm, it's always great to jam and, and talk about being vulnerable, especially as a dude. And uh, thanks for being a great, a great interviewer and listener. Mm-hmm.